another edition of the Stephanie Gately Show podcast only on WFUVsports.org. We'll have the Rams women's basketball head coach on in just a moment, but Fordham coming off a win earlier this week against the LaSalle team that certainly gave them all they can handle. They have two games coming up in the week ahead. They'll play against Duquesne, the second in a home-and-home series this year, and then they'll face George Mason coming up midweek uh, towards the end of the week. And as we welcome in Coach Stephanie Gately, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. It's great to see you. I like your haircut. Looking good. Coach, thank you. I, I do appreciate it. <laughs> I, I you know, was able to do some things I don't normally get to do, like get a haircut during the extra time off in between games. What is it that you were doing or, or your staff, and how do you spend that extra time off? For me, it was breaking down films and recruiting. Fun. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so, you know, Sunday was a, a true day, you know, that I got some, you know, got some time off. But, uh you know, then we're all on the road recruiting, and then for me, it's you know, there's it's a lot of time is on tapes. You know, like my husband said, I don't think anybody gets how much time you spend away from the office because a lot of times I won't come in until eleven or eleven thirty or in the week because I'm up till I don't even know what time at night doing films, and then I wake up the next morning and I'm writing down notes. You know, and so it's a never-ending process during the season. So there's a lot of time put into it. I'm very detail-oriented, so I don't like to leave any stone unturned. So there's really not a lot of off days during this time. Well, you certainly did a lot last week off the court, but also on the court. It was a big win for you guys against LaSalle, and it was a game that you guys just did not have it going early. I, I believe you started 0 of 8 from the floor, and, and potentially that went even further after the first media timeout. What wasn't going right? Was it the, the senior day atmosphere? Was it, uh, you know, the uh, maybe difference in timing going into the game? I mean, could any of that be involved, or was LaSalle just coming out and, and defending you guys well? You know, it might be a little bit of everything. To be honest, we had eight great looks. I kept turning to Benson saying, it's a great shot, great shot, great shot, great shot. We had all great looks. It's just they weren't going down. And we were fine for the first six to eight minutes. And then when the drought continued, then it started to affect our decision-making. Then we started turning it over a few times. Then we gave up extra shots. Because the first few minutes, we did a great job. We, we turned um, LaSalle over a couple possessions. They weren't hitting as well. But then all of a sudden, we had breakdowns defensively because our, I think our frustration offensive end carried over defense. So the halftime talk was a, um, a spirited one, should I say, of, of a challenge to just say, you know, hey, this is, you know, we've been here before. We were just down at LaSalle. I mean, at Richmond by 10. Um, it's the first time, I think, since our Duquesne game that we've been down at home. So it was new territory, especially when, you know, Abigail, who's somebody we've come to rely on, has struggled offensively the last two games. And then Hannah puts in both your second third leading score, don't make a basket. So it, we were fortunate that Emily Tapio stepped up in a big way. And I want to talk to you about the, the two and three leading scorers on your team coming up with really nothing all game offensively. And, and Abigail's able to do it in a lot of different ways. But Hannah, primarily a three-point shooter, and, and Abigail really just couldn't get anything to fall what can you do to try and get them back on track because they've seemingly been a little more hot and cold of late than maybe they were earlier in the season I think you have to stay positive I mean Abigail's had a lot of problems with her shoulder so I think this bye week has helped us a lot and you know I've given her you know three days off of, of not really doing anything so that, that she said it feels a lot looser and plus she didn't do any arm lifting which I think has helped I think her and Aaron you know I brought them in during the week just to explain to them that this is her time to take opportunity for getting time off 
and so let's do it wisely. And so we, you know, orchestrated the week so that they would have some additional time. Also, different people were forced to step up. And, and it gave, you know, with Aaron and Abigail not on the court, it forces Sam to score, it forces Emily to score, it forces, you know, maybe a Danielle Burns to step up. And so you have to learn to do different things with different people just because, you know, if people are sick, different people got to step up. Well, let's talk about people who stepped up because Emily Tapio comes up with her second double-double in as many games. 13 boards, 12 points, and we've talked about her being the under-the-radar player throughout the year, but the last two games it's really come to the forefront. What has she done differently, and, and what's impressed you about her play over the last couple of games as opposed to maybe last year or even freshman year that maybe she wouldn't have done at that point? I think it's a mindset. I think, to be honest, I think it's it's me as a coach making sure that I instill confidence in her and letting her know, Emily, I believe in you, and, and part of that is done by just calling her number. So, you know, we, we looked at the minutes played, you know, during the middle of the season, and we realized that, you know, Emily was getting not limited minutes because she was certainly getting her share of minutes, but the minutes that I was giving to other kids weren't as productive. And so we just said, you know, we're going to go with Emily, you know, and, you know, her numbers have, have proven that she deserves not only extra minutes but extra touches. So we put in a couple little wrinkles to give her a couple more looks. Um and I think that's been a big part of why we've been able to make up for Ern and Abigail kind of you know, struggling from a standpoint of, of shooting, should we say. Certainly a lot of reasons to call number 11, but there have been a lot of reasons to call number 24 as well. And I saw you working with Samantha in the gym on her jump shot from all different angles, inside the arc, outside the arc. We've talked about this in past coaches' shows, but she struggled from three in this most recent game. How important is it for uh, someone like Samantha, who played so well against Duquesne earlier in the year, to come out and do it again in the rematch at their place? And, and does that play a role in how you work her out during the week, especially with these extra shots? Yeah, I mean, part of it is we've had a couple kids like Aaron's feeling sick and, and, and Sam's been sick. And, you know, Sam was able to practice today, but she wasn't feeling great. So when we were supposed to work out after practice, I said, Sam, you ready? Do you want to do it or do you want to wait? And she said, well, I, I need to get one more workout in. And I said, well, let's do a non-physical one. Let's just do a shooting one because I just knew she was tired and I didn't want to wear her down anymore. And I think she tried her best to get through practice. So I just wanted to work on perimeter shooting. And I think, you know, the one thing I've tried to do, and I was telling my husband this on the ride in as I'm reading this, you know, um, John Maxwell leadership book. And it's, it's a combination of, you know, faith, you know, how your faith, you know, kind of intercedes with, with your leadership. And I just trying to do a better job of instilling confidence and because you know you get to this point and people are wearing down and people you have to be mentally tough well you also have to be encouraging so I've been trying to you know step up in a certain way and, and do a do a better job from my end because I'm asking all the kids to get better and, and at the same point I, I, I also ask myself and look in the mirror and ask my staff as well. So let's go back here to the LaSalle game for a couple minutes before we look ahead and take a look around the Atlantic 10. And, and for you guys, this was a game against a LaSalle team that is very, very good defensively, nearly in the same ballpark as you guys are, number one and number two in the conference. And they held you to a season-low 43 points, and even the, the first half, 17 points. I mean, you talked about it. You got good looks. You felt comfortable with the looks early, and then things started to fall off a little bit. But going into the half, what was the message to your team, especially considering you guys hadn't come back and won a game that you were trailing at the half yet all year? You know, it was don't try to get it back all at once. And the first message was obviously, like I said, spirit it, quote-unquote spirit it of just challenging them, you know, like, you know, we're feeling sorry for ourselves because our shots aren't going in. You know, we are a defensive team. 
everything begins and ends with defense. So if our shot doesn't go in, then we need to be able to counter that. Like even when we played at Dayton, you know, we we couldn't get anything going in the first eight minutes. But the best part about that is we didn't let them get going either, and that's why we put ourselves in a position to almost steal that Dayton game on the road. So in order for us to win games, and I talked to the team about that today at Films, do not let our offense dictate anything. You know, everything's dictated by our defense. Take as much joy out of getting a stop as you do out of scoring a basket. And so that that was the message at halftime. And then it was just a matter of, hey, guys, we're getting great shots. It's not a case if we weren't taking good shots. We were getting good looks. They just weren't falling. So I just said, stay with it. Take the open shot. You know, take what they give you. Stay patient. And then get a score and then get a stop, which we talk a lot about. And you guys were able to get stops against some of LaSalle's best players. You look at Owens and Cropper, and they combined for 7 of 29 from the floor during that game. How much did you guys focus on trying to shut them down and get those stops and be able to move the ball back in transition when the offense wasn't going for you? Well, that was a big part of the game plan. You know, we knew that we were just kind of stagnant offensively, so that we wanted to do a couple things. One, you know, try to, as best as possible, you know, have somebody else beat you. You know, try to dictate what shot they're going to get. And on the other end, any time that we had a dead ball situation or a time to set our defense, which is off a foul shot or a dead ball, we put some type of press on them because we just weren't getting anything going offensively. So we thought maybe our defense – and we did get a couple things out of that press that either we got a turnover or it just changed the momentum, so to speak. And so, and part of it, too, is I think we slowed down a little bit in our transition game in the second half. And we just – you know, where we've been, I think, effective is, is pushing people on their heels in transition. And I, th- I thought we, need, we did a better job of that. So let's move into the stretch run of this game. We'll talk about maybe the best time out of your coaching career in a moment, but Aaron Rooney struggled a bit at the free throw line, and she hasn't maybe been herself this year as, as opposed to maybe last year where she was closer to 85 or 90% from the line, this year more in the 70s. And down the stretch, she was asked to make a lot of clutch free throws, and she did it in a way that maybe we hadn't previously seen her make free throws like that as consistently as she did down the stretch of a game. How important is it to see a captain, a senior, go out there and knock down free throws in a game that at home is considered essentially a must-win if you want to be a top four in this conference? You know, Aaron's a gamer. You know, I think she wants the ball at crunch time. So, you know, I wasn't surprised, even though she struggled. She was 5 for 10, I think, before she took those last two foul shots. Um, I wasn't surprised when the game was online because she prepares herself for that. You know, we do a lot of that within practice. We do a lot of pressure foul shooting situations. We do a lot of game situations. So w- it, it wasn't like it was new territory. She was, you know, and that one thing I try to do at the timeouts is to place those kids in that moment. I say, guys, we've been here before. We've been in special situations. And I always talk to the kids, all right, after Aaron makes these two foul shots, it's always a, a pause. After Aaron makes these two foul shots, this is what we're in. And, you know, and, and I think you have to start, start with a positive mindset. And then you come in with, all right, if something crazy happens and it's, you know, there is a miss, something ridiculous happens, or mi- this is what we're in. So you almost have to, to, to kind of look at a miss as something that would be out of character. And so it starts with actual vocalizing, you know, the, the posit- positivity of that situation and obviously having someone there that's used to be in that situation and wants to be in that situation. Yeah, well, and Aaron certainly down the stretch played a big role in, in getting you guys a big W, but certainly you, you made a good coaching call down the stretch. Your team is coming back out of a missed shot, I believe, and airmailed pass, and you called timeout just before the ball. I believe Abigail threw the pass just before it went out of her hands. You're able to retain possession where the ball otherwise would have gone back to LaSalle in a situation where they could have maybe put a nail in the coffin. 
how important is it to to just kind of look out there and and go, okay, got away with one there. And and it, I mean, is that kind of how you approach that afterwards, or were you calm and collected? You know what? I think you know the one thing I found myself is when the pressure is the most, I feel like I'm the most calm because I know the kids are going to feed off of that. So we had said in the prior timeout, like, listen, if we have an uncontested layup, we'll take it in transition. Otherwise, we're taking the timeout. And it was actually Aaron that came over half court and tried to get it to uh, Emily. And I, and after playing that tape back, I saw what she saw originally, but it was going to turn out to be a turnover because it was going off Emily's hands. So, but I didn't like what we had. I, I saw that Aaron was thinking about passing, and I'm thinking, oh, God, no. You know, I was thinking, when I say uncontested, I mean nobody around. And so, obviously, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel from what I saw was there. And so that's why it was an immediate timeout. Now, you went back and you watched that. You said you kind of saw what Aaron saw from that situation. Obviously, with hindsight, of course you'd take the timeout. But how often do you play a situation like that where you say, okay, well, if you see this, we'll do this. Otherwise, we're taking the timeout. How often is that something you say in a huddle like that? I mean, I think it goes back to even, I think, even like the Seattle Seahawks. I think I remember something, there was a play that they had that was a crucial play. It might have been not in the Super Bowl, but in the game prior to that where it was a, hey, if it goes great, it's great. If it doesn't work, you know, it's like almost all of a sudden, it's, if the play works, you're a great coach. If it doesn't, you're a bad coach. And, you know, you have to trust in your players, you know, and I trust in my players. I trust that Erin's going to make good decisions, and she's put us in a position to, to, to do what she's done this year for us. So, you have to trust, but then you also – I had to rely on my instincts. And my instinct was I don't like what I see. I want to control the shot we get, so let's go with the timeout. Let's talk about the maybe impact of this game on the Atlantic 10 standings. And even before that, I do want to quickly mention, again, it was senior day. It was a game for your dad, and, and a lot of that's obviously very special to you. You've known these girls for some of them as long as five years, and, and with your dad, certainly a special game. How proud are you of, of the girls for coming out with a big win in that game where towards the end it looked like it may have fallen away and things weren't going right to begin with to come out with a victory there? I, I just got to tell you, it was just a relief because I know in the last minute I kept grabbing the pin that I wear with my dad's picture. My sister Valerie gave it to me, and it's a picture of my dad inside. And, and I just felt no flow in the game, and I was just like all I kept feeling to myself was – you know, Dad, if there's any moment you can step in, can you make this the moment? One, because it was senior day. I knew Abigail was struggling. She had a lot of people there. And obviously the game in honor of my dad, so a lot of my family was there. But um, there was no rhythm to that game. And I knew that if we were going to pull it out, it, ju it just had to be a gut check. And I think it was just so important down the last four minutes that we just stay composed, which the kids did. And I think they've done a terrific job. And I really do think the last few games, whether it be the Richmond game or the LaSalle game or the game at Bonaventure, these games are really going to come in handy when we get to the tournament time or even the stretch run that we're hitting now. Is it possible your dad's intervention came timeout Fordham? Could that possibly be the, the spot? Well, maybe. Maybe that was in my mind. Timeout, Steph, timeout. He was upstairs looking. He goes, I see it being a turnover, Steph. Timeout, timeout. So, yeah, very, very could, very easily could have been my dad's instinctiveness saying, Steph, call the timeout. Um, so, I, I mean, my husband, as soon as I walked off the court, he's like, your dad came through today. That was, you, you owe your dad one big time on that one. Because, you know, there's so much emotion involved. We had like uh, about 300 people downstairs for the event after the game. And, and obviously it's a lot easier to enjoy the event when you win than when you lose. But you certainly want to celebrate, you know, all the senior managers and, and you want to celebrate your senior players for what they've given you. So it just made the celebration that much better. And, and you know, when you, after you win, you don't realize the effects it has, whether it be on standings or it's your 20th win or what have you. So it, was, it was, became, you know, a very important and special win in a lot of ways. 
Now let's move forward and, and take a look at the Atlantic 10 standings because with three games left, there's we've talked about parity all year. I believe four, possibly five different teams at 9-4. and four. Dayton, as of right now, has the inside track to the regular season title. They've already got 11 wins, and if they can win out, the, the title is certainly theirs for the regular season. But in order to get some of those top seeds, you've already lost the tiebreak, the Bonaventure head-to-head. Duquesne here, however, is a chance for you guys to leap over them. And really, if you lose to them, you're two games back because of the tiebreak. If you beat them, you're a game ahead, and, and the tiebreaker moves to a different area. So how important is this game against Duquesne for you guys to try and get a better seed when you go to Richmond in a couple of weeks? I mean, I think everybody realizes it's huge. I mean, I think it's, it's you know, you see it on paper, so you know the significance of the game. But I think the bigger you make it, the more you put the pressure on. The, I think, you know, you, you make it bigger than it has to be. I mean, we all know that it's big. We all know that getting a win there would put us in great position. But, you know, all we can do is do our best, you know. And, you know, every, everybody's, you know, fighting for and jockeying for position right now. I mean, Duquesne's coming off four straight losses. I, I know that they'll be extremely focused. They kicked our butts here, even though the score didn't indicate it. I mean, obviously, I think everybody saw, you know, they were, they were up 19 in that second half. So um, we have, you know, we, we have a lot of payback on our mind. You know, we don't like the fact that they took a home game for us. So I, our kids will certainly be prepared, and they certainly understand the significance of the game. Um, but it's just important to stay in the moment and not, make it bigger than it is because there's so much basketball left. Let's go back to that game here at the Rose Hill Gym. It was a 65-61 final. Duquesne came out with the win. It ended a, a nice winning streak for you guys, but more importantly, this team seems to be an Achilles heel for you guys over the past couple of years. You just haven't been able to get over the hump against them. Now you have to go and try and do it on the road at their place where they're very, very powerful uh, to say the least, but when you look at that four-game losing streak, is there a blueprint that maybe you can follow? Is there maybe a blueprint from even the game at the Rose Hill Gym earlier this year that you might look at as a way to try and get over the hump against the Duquesne team that's had your number? Well, when we played them the first time, you, as you mentioned, we came off that streak. And so when we came off that streak, we hadn't had any close games. I mean, we hadn't had any games that went down to the last you know, four minutes or were in single digits So, you know, for a long time. You know, I had to go all the way back to American game. And so when – so th- we, we got off to quick starts offensively. So now we don't get off to quick starts, and they score. So now it's a double whammy. And then Erin gets in foul trouble. So Erin has three fouls. So she's off the court in the first half with three fouls in the first half. So now that's something we hadn't played with all year either. So that was all new territory for us. And then you, you have a – you know, we went to Duquesne last year, and that was one of the few teams that really just kicked our butts. You know, they, they literally kicked our butts there. And so our kids don't forget those things. You know, you put in the back of your head, does that mean you're going to win the game? No, but that just means that, you know, we understand, we understand what's at stake. We understand that it's, it, you know, that it will be a great challenge. Certainly believe we can win the game. Um, we're going against a team that's lost four straight. So, yeah, I mean, with one, ha- one hand you can look at it and say, hey, they, you know, they're coming with – because I saw one quote their coach had in an article after the St. Joe's losses, every game right now is going to be like a tournament game. And so they're going to come with a chip on their shoulder, and we're going to come in a situation where we know that we have to play it like it's a pickup game and it's a one and done. And so both teams are going to be fighting. I mean, and I like nothing better to upset their senior day. Uh, Wumi and Gumbiade goes 10 of 11 in that game for 26 points. The rest of the team shoots a combined 13 of 44. It seems like you got everything you wanted outside of trying to shut down maybe Duquesne's best player. Typically, you guys are very good at shutting down opponents' number one option, but it was a struggle in that game. Why was that? 
I mean, I felt she just played terrific. I mean, a lot of it was, you know, I played that, obviously, that tape back a couple times. And for the most part, I thought we did a pretty good job, you know, which is scary. You know, she goes 10 for 11, you do a pretty good job. Because we even say, like, on some of the shots on tape, if she makes it, there's nothing you can do. You know, you just, you, you got to give it your best shot. You got to give, you know, you got to make a decision. If we're going to take her away, we're going to make somebody else beat us. If they beat us, then we've dictated how we, how, what we're going to give up. And we're going to take that risk. And so that's the mindset is obviously our goal is, to, you know, to keep the ball out of our hands, which isn't easy because she's, you know, such a great player. Um, but force different other different kids on that team to step up. But, you know, for them, they have a, they're very diverse, and they have a lot of kids that can score. So it's a tough matchup, but it's, it's certainly a winnable game. Maybe what would you do differently in this game than what you did in the first matchup between these two teams? Anything specifically come to mind as you move closer to that matchup? I mean, try to not let her get the ball. You know, so just deny her a little bit more aggressively. If you're one pass away, try to make it difficult for either to step out a little farther or step a little higher out of the block. You know, not give her a position. If she's going to get the ball, dictate where she gets the ball. You know, so don't let her just get position right on the block for a duck in and an easy shot. If she's going to get the ball, force her out further out of her comfort zone so her shot's a little bit further than what it would normally be. Let's move ahead to the other game that you guys are playing this week. It's on Wednesday night in the Rose Hill Gym against a George Mason team that enters the Atlantic 10, and, and they've just struggled pretty pretty severely. Only one win in conference. And it doesn't seem like they're necessarily getting blown out every game either. Things just aren't really falling for them right now. What's maybe What have you seen from them first? Because you haven't seen them in conference play at all. And have you maybe seen them on some opponent's tape that, that maybe you can at least begin to know what it is that they do and what they do well? You know, I have seen them on tape. And, you know, they, they have some very good athletes. They have some post players who can step out and shoot the three. So they're a dangerous team. You know, when you play a team, I always feel when you're, you know, I would rather play the top teams at the stretch run because then you have the kids' attention. You know, but the reason I don't think it will be a problem getting their attention because that's literally the last game in Rose Hill for those seniors, you know. All things being equal, who knows what happens in the postseason. But um, it's for for at least we know for for sure that you know they're getting that as the last home game. So I I think our kids, especially Aaron and Abigail, you know we we squeaked one out against LaSalle. We need to come focused. This is our ch chance to to have one blemish on a home record and, and finish at Rose Hill strong. So I don't think it'll be hard to motivate the kids for that. Um, George Mason, you know, if you, even if you look at their men's scores, their men are just dangerous. I know our men did a great job beating them, but, I mean, they, St. Louis just went into overtime with them last night from the men's side. The men and women are both dangerous teams hanging around, so you just don't want to play around and give them life. You want to come in and, and have a, a focused approach right from the top. Well, if memory serves, they come from the CAA, if, if that's correct. And it's a different level, certainly, to, to move up to the Atlantic 10. How much does that factor into that record, and how much of it is just a season over season, things aren't working out right now? You, you don't you know, get the close game to go your way. How much of it is it's an adjustment period to move up? Combination of a lot of things. New coach, because I, mean, I remember my first year at Fordham, we had eight games decided in the last minute that we lost. So, and that was a combination of me being new, the kids not sure whether they trust it yet, um, kids not knowing how to win. You know, and so we were playing Xavier to overtime. Duquesne, uh, actually, we took to a tight game. St. Joe's, we lost in overtime there. So we played a lot of teams tough and just couldn't get over the hump. And so that's, I think, what they're dealing with right now. I mean, it's obviously a new conference, and I think that there's obviously more strength from top to bottom in the Atlantic 10 than there is in the CAA right now. So, you know, they started off out of conference well. My son, Coop, said last night, he goes, Mom, George Mason started off 5-1, and one, you know. But then they come into a – I mean, we see by four teams logjam log jam for the four, second spot, there's so much parity. 
There's so many good teams. So on any given night, anybody can beat anybody. So there will be no nights off for us. I mean, we're in the stretch run right now. We're you know hitting the end of a marathon, and I'm I'm certainly not taking my foot off the pedal. No, but certainly with three games to go, is there any concern? Certainly you want to get the best seed you can possibly get. Everybody's going to make the tournament, but you want to try and get yourself the most favorable matchup you can to be sure. But are you worried at all? I know Abigail and Aaron have taken a little more time off in practice this week to get ready for this final stretch run. Any concern about playing some of these girls, the, the 35 or the 40 minutes that you d usually do play them, knowing that once you get to Richmond, there's a chance you can play three or four days in a row, and that, that could certainly make things a little more difficult. You know, it's gut check time. If you look across the board, I mean, I've checked a lot of stats out. People are only playing seven people, and their go-to players are going 38 to 40 minutes. And so, you know, Aaron and, and Abigail are obviously first and second in the conference in minutes played, but the next three or four are not too far behind. So everybody's basically in that same situation when you get to this point. You know, certainly we would want to go in a situation where we don't have to play three games. You know, but, you know, uh, we that'll be determined over the next week. If it happens that we have to play four games, so be it. You know, we can't go into it and say, oh, my God, we can't do it. You just got to be prepared for it and understand, you know, if we want to win it, that's the, that's the route we're going to have to take. So we basically have to take it one day at a time, go out and play a very good Duquesne team, try to beat them on their court, and then move on from there and, you know, just take one day at a time and one game at a time and then put ourselves in the best position to win the Atlantic 10. Well, and to take another step, you talk about playing three, possibly four games, and if, say, a UMass or a George Mason finishes 12-13, they may even have to play five games if they were uh, able to find a way through the tournament. But this is a, a different format than we've seen in years past because usually it was in Philadelphia and it came to Brooklyn last year. That's the way it had worked in various different formats. Is this a positive step for the Atlantic 10, or do you think – then maybe having that game in Brooklyn with the men's tournament in association uh, maybe raise the profile a little bit. Well, we were fortunate that the two right teams got in the championship last year mm -hmm. because if you had a date in Bonaventure final, I don't think you're going to have 4,400 people in the stands. You know, the only way that happens, I think, is if their men's team is still playing. So we were in a situation where, I mean, out of that 4,400, probably 3,500 were from, from, from Fordham. And so and then you had a St. Joe's team, which gets a good following, is only two hours away. So my concern about staying long-term at, at Brooklyn was the fact that the right teams had to be in the championship. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're looking at an empty stadium. I've always been a proponent of neutral site. So when this opportunity came up for the Richmond Coliseum, this is something as a 28-year veteran coach, I've always won it. Because if you go back to even last year at St. Joe's, Duquesne lost an NCAA bid by losing to St. Joe's at home. You know, and then St. Joe's upset Dayton. They, if St. Joe's had lost us, they still would have been in the tournament. And so by virtue of them playing at home and beating Dayton and Duquesne at home, this takes that type of um, advantage out, you know, out from anybody. You know, because I think we would have had a great chance to get the bid this year. And as much as I would have wanted that, because I think we could have won it and gone to, to you know, to um, Barclays, I just think for the best interest of our sport and for our conference, was a neutral site, and the big thing was the fact that the Richmond Coliseum really wanted us, and you don't see that that often. So I really feel like we have something special. We have some teams down in that area that we can build off of. Interesting take, to be sure. So certainly a couple of important games coming up this week after a, a key win to really get things going again after a tough Richmond loss. Time to get down to maybe your favorite part of this show, Coach. Who is it that you would like to say hello to? Let's go. Let's start with Victoria because she's she gave me some awesome 
birthday gifts last week, so I'm going to start with her. Um, I actually want to have on my desk right now. So then I have, and it says believe on it. So it's just something that makes me, you know, think about her all the time. My brother H, you know, again, just terrific brother. And then, of course, my sister Val, who um, is somebody that's obviously real special to me. And then my sister Tara and her husband Jack, Scott, and then Courtney over in London. She's the one, Mike, that's constantly telling me what an awesome job you do. So, so you got to always give Court the props. And and my, I'm so happy for my sister Coco and her husband Bruce and their kids, because Kobe and Trent, the quadruplets, they won a big game at Harrison last night. And I text my sister today, and I said they don't realize that they're living memories right now. And then you know, Coop won his game, and of course, with my son Dutch out there is listening, I got a chance to spend a few minutes, and he was outstanding. You guys did a great job. I think that halftime interview was wonderful. Some really good moments. We didn't really do any work. He just came in with the stories. He was prepared. We just got to toss him softballs. I especially like how he compared the dog with my dad because my husband and I were talking about that saying, hey, man, this dog is so much like Pop-Up. He's, you know, God, look at him. And, and it was so that, that really got me going. That was pretty funny. But, yeah, you guys were terrific with that. And, you know, I just want to thank everybody for the support as we hit the stretch run because we have a great stretch coming up. And, you know, we want to put a great finish to the season. Well, that should do it for another Thursday edition of the Stephanie Gately Show, only on WFUVsports.org. Again, two games coming up this week. You can hear both of them online on WFUVsports.org. Fordham visits Pittsburgh to face Duquesne, 7 o'clock game on Saturday night. Then they return home for, I guess, hopefully the final home game of the year because otherwise that means Fordham's going to the NCAAs. And I think we'll, I think we'll take that over a home game. Certainly that would be a 7 o'clock game on Wednesday against George Mason before closing out the season the next weekend against St. Joe's in Philadelphia. So for Coach Stephanie Gately, I'm Mike Watson. The Stephanie Gately Show podcast is a production of WFUV Sports. So long.